Welcome back, literary slummers, to another episode of Shelf Aware, the podcast where we are reading books outside of our comfort zone. I'm Em. And I'm Anna. This fortnight, we are reading a book that was actually submitted to us by a fellow literary slummer, Brooke, who um, said we would hate this book because it is about, um, and I'm paraphrasing here, a girl who wanted to prove that she couldn't or didn't need to rely on a man um, and did so by learning to rely on another man. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the, that book we read was Black Ice by Becca Fitzpatrick. And um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Becca Fitzpatrick, uh, she's well known for the hush hush. The hush. Is it hush hush or hush? Is it two hush hush hush? That suits. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We'll go with it. The hush hush series. I think it's just hush. I don't know. I read it. Hold on. Let's I see. I remember. No, it's the Hush Hush Saga. <laughs> okay, well, that's a title, yeah. which um, I read back in high school, I think, at least the first couple of them. And that's more what I usually read and definitely what I was reading in high school, which is uh, paranormal uh, spec fic type stuff. Um, this is not that. This is a thriller, mm-hmm. which was very disappointing to me. Yeah, and a thriller like... A survival thriller, yes. which is a genre that I do hate. So that could be another unit in the future. I don't care for um, these books where it's man versus elements. Mm-hmm. I'm just not into that. Well, I will say I think that because that was kind of my thought, too, as I was reading this, that I didn't dislike that aspect as much as I thought I would, because I usually do dislike mm-hmm. the the survivalist sort of stuff. Um, I find it very boring. But the fact that there were two people in it, kind of made it a little bit better and it wasn't too prolonged and there was kind of other stuff going on with it so I actually found that mm. I kind of enjoyed that part of it um a lot more than I thought I would mm-hmm. it was definitely the most exciting aspect of this book mm. yeah and it's not to say that I enjoyed the book as a whole um yes <laughs> I'm I still have very mixed feelings I don't it was know where the I, least bad part of the book yeah I don't know where I really land on if I like this book or not what do you think did uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumb in the middle. I'm like thumbs in the middle again because mm. no, you know what? I will safely say thumbs down. I already said I don't like the survival aspect of it, and I found it to be very predictable. Um, yes, but and and also the main character and her friend, every all the characters were just atrocious and intolerable. So yeah, mm. I guess I did hate this book, but. That being said, it was, like, very easy to... I read it all in one sitting. So, like, something... There was enough yeah. there to hold my interest for however long it took to read it. But not a great book. I thought it was definitely a really compelling book. I think I agree with that. Um, and it was, mm-hmm. a you know, quick read. It wasn't bad, I think, to read. I just, like, like you said, I didn't like the characters. Mm-hmm. But that's not always a problem for me, you know? Sometimes I'm okay with that. I... Th- <sighs> I don't know, like, I thought it was pretty well written. I thought it was, like I said, compelling. I just didn't like the characters. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like, I didn't like kind of the themes, I guess. But that being said, I guess kind of moving into if we would suggest this book, who would we suggest it to territory? Mm-hmm. I do think that if you... If you liked Hatchet as a kid and you like romance now, mm-hmm. 
you'd probably be okay with this book, I feel like. Um, yes. I think there's definitely an audience for this book. And yeah, I think sure. there are definitely people, like, I wouldn't shame anyone for having read this and being like, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Because I could be like, okay, yeah, I can yeah. see why you would. It's just not my cup of tea. I think if you want a book that's more plot-driven and not character-driven. Yes, You 100%. would like this book more. Because if you're going into it for the characters, I think you'll probably be annoyed (laughs) yes they were very fucking annoying um with all of that said if that sounds like a book you might like feel free to pause this episode at this point because we're gonna get into spoiler territory from here on out yes um we'll see you in the three hours and 50 minutes it should take you to read this book (laughs) yes do it all in one sitting (laughs) yeah all right so i do have to go um, I do have to go pretty quickly through these because I do. It's like it, like we said, it's very plot heavy. It's a thriller, so I have like three mm-hmm. full pages of notes. So we're just going to like bang it I'll out. I'll try here. not to distract <laughs> too much, but I make no promises because I have a I, lot of you things know, to I say. You know, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> you do your thing, but if I like try to railroad you, that's why. <laughs> okay. Okay. Man, I just opened. I'm sorry, I'm distracting already. You're fine. But I just <laughs> opened this on Kindle and saw the the like cover that's on kindle for the first time and it's certainly a cover oh i didn't even notice the kindle version of the cover let me look now oh danger is hard to resist yeah with a guy a guy in a like vest coat um staring angrily at something that's not pictured at snow he's staring angrily at that fake Just ass snow. snow it's like it's like they meant to put the girl on the cover, and they just forgot. They forgot to shop her in. They were like, we'll find a girl who looks like like Brit later, but for now, this will do. <laughs> so this book begins, as all of my favorite books do, with a prologue. Yay. Yeah, it's basically just a flashback to a year before the events of this story, where a girl is drunk in a bar, she goes home with the wrong guy, and he ends up killing her. Very sad. Whatever. And I... I'm dumb and didn't realize that this wasn't the main character. So I thought we were going to have to have this as the main character. Um, so like as insufferable as Brit ends up being, I was still a little happy that it was Brit and not Lauren because Lauren is like a million times more insufferable. No. Yeah. I, I didn't really understand a certain character's motivations about her after reading from her point of view, because I was just like, ew, <laughs> I have, I don't know which of two characters you are talking about because either of the two characters that relate to her, well, three, I guess, all three main char- or male mm, characters. The one that's very devoted to her. Okay, okay. Because <laughs> I was thinking the one that's very devoted to her, the, the one that does her wrong or the one that does her really wrong, all three of them. I'm just like, why? It's very complicated. Why did you want to be involved with this at all? So many red herrings in this book. <laughs> But also very few, because there's only five characters, right? So it's like... Very true. It's like and a little bit of a... Well, not a spoiler. I'll try to keep the, the spoil spoilers for the end. But I texted you when I was at about 45% of the way through the book and was like, here's what I think is going to happen. I'm probably wrong. And it was exactly what happened. But and I was like, wow, I was right. But then I was like, well, also, there's literally only five characters. So, like, <laughs> I had, like, a... 1 in 20 shot of getting this right and really a 1 in 20 or a 1 in 20 a 1 in 5 shot of getting this right and really a 1 in 4 because we know it wasn't Brit like (laughs) so we then get to our actual characters of the actual book Brit and Corby 
are best friends and they are spending spring break in the mountains. Okay, they're best friends like with an asterisk. Are they really best friends? Mm -hmm. Are they really even friends? Corby's a shitty person. They're best frenemies, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Britt and Corby are spending spring break in the mountains of Wyoming, which is close close to Jackson Hole in the Tetons and in a cabin that Corby's family owns because Corby is a rich girl from rich family. Britt has been training the whole year for this trip, partially as a means of trying to hook back up with her ex, Calvin, who is Corby's brother and is, like, very outdoorsy and loves to spend time at this cabin as well. Um, But wasn't originally going to go on this trip, which makes Britt's plan very stupid. Yeah, like, he didn't even know about it. We'll come back to that at the end of this book, because Britt is very good at coming up with stupid plans to meet up with boys that somehow work out for her it's incredible (laughs) she um so the only reason that calvin ends up going on this trip is because corby and calvin's parents make him go as like a um chaperone because i guess corby's boyfriend Mm. whose name is bear is also going on this trip but he never makes an appearance in the whole book so is Bear real? Well, I enjoyed the fact that, like, he never makes an appearance in this book, but we get, like, a whole info dump about him and his life and his backstory and, like, why he has the nickname Bear. And I'm like, yeah. why does any of this matter? Like, why? They kept doing he this. He doesn't exist. Like, for all intents and purposes, he does not they exist. They kept doing this thing <laughs> where, like, the characters would just info dump to each other. And I was like, what? I yeah. get that, like, we have to move the plot along, and the only way to do that is basically have you two reveal secrets to each other but also a lot of the time these secrets don't matter like bear's nickname like (laughs) very true very true i mean i would have just believed that that was some rich kid's name bear i didn't need i didn't need i mean the main character the other sorry his girlfriend's name is corby like yeah apologies to any corbys out there i don't know maybe that is a popular name that i'm unaware of it's not one that i've heard before (laughs) so on their way out of town Britt runs into Calvin at a 7-Eleven, and I guess it was an unplanned meeting. And when he asks her if she's seeing anyone, she lies and grabs the nearest random guy and says she's dating him. Well, she she says she's dating a random guy, and then that guy comes into the 7-Eleven. She, like, panics, and she's like, oh, yeah, that's him right there. <laughs> Why would you pick a person who's in the vicinity and then can be questioned? Instead of, like, Who knows? I don't know, f- taking out your phone and, like, finding a picture. I don't, or just, why are you playing into, like, it's very, it's very, um, oh, what is, the, the Brady Bunch George Glass moment, right? Except, like, instead of a glass, it's, like, an actual person, you know? <laughs> I don't know, if, I don't know this reference, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, it's, um. <laughs> I'm not a huge Brady Bunch fan. I'm not either, I haven't seen this episode but i've heard it like mm, it's it's just one of those pop culture things yes so it's like yeah. there's an episode where two the two girls are trying to come up with a or no one of the girls tells the other girl that she has a boyfriend and he she's like oh what's his name and she's like george and like looks around the room and sees a glass and is like glass and uh. it the hijinks <laughs> continue from there i believe ah uh, classic classic so she should have looked around and been like uh, slurpy Frito. <laughs> Cash register Funyuns. It's a rich kid nickname. Don't worry about it. 
Beef jerky. <laughs> yep, that's it. Beef jerky. You got a friend that your your sister's dating a guy named Bear. My boyfriend's name is Beef Jerky. <laughs> uh, luckily for Brit, this random guy plays along with the charade. Um, his name is Mason, and he um, surprises Brit by knowing her name, though she's wearing a shirt that has her name on it. She tells us later, so it's not really that surprising. And then he knows like a few other details about her life. Um, and also they kiss and we will be seeing him again later because like red herrings, there are also a lot of like Chekhov's blank in this, in this book as well. <laughs> um, so Mason will be making a reappearance. And as she's leaving the Seven Eleven, Britt decides to, um, steal some of Calvin's CDs and readjusts his car mirrors and like, just like being really petty. But this will, this is an important detail for later. And by later, I mean right now. This is also an important detail because it shows how annoying and petty Britt is. So immature. (laughs) Everything, we get all of these, and this is, I'm going to kind of talk about this now, I think. It's a recurring thing throughout the book. But we get all of these flashbacks to her childhood with Calvin and Corby, right? It's always like some deeply traumatic thing happens, but Britt seems like, unaware of that in the present day like she'll be like oh I remember the first day that I spent the night with Calvin like over at Calvin's house you know we played Ouija and then his dad beat the shit out of him and it was really fun that Calvin like gave me a hug I'm like Brit you are focusing on the wrong thing girl and it's like this this thing too where she like goes out to the car and she's like he ruined the best day of my life, which was homecoming. So that's pretty already wild. pretty buck wild. I'm going to key his car. I'm going to just fuck his shit up. And it's like, okay, Brit, Brit, you were dating for like five months. Um, you've been broken up for like Homecoming eight. was almost a year ago. Yeah. You need to chill. And also, you know that this guy has like huge amounts of trauma from his terrible childhood. You just don't want to address yeah. that yeah. ever. It's very bizarre the way that she never like she never addresses it right like barely. Yeah, at the she end. she basically says like I never wanted to bring it up again because lol awkward. Right, <laughs> and it's not even like and this isn't even like she's recounting this to a third party. She's remembering stuff and she's like framing it. Yes, all this as is her like, internal monologue. Yeah, she's like framing it all as like oh I remember the first time we kissed, but there's always like some deeply troubling thing that also happens that is way yes. more important than the kissing. That really should be Ugh. the subtitle of this book. There's stuff that's way more important than the kissing, but we're not going to address it. <laughs> <laughs> not for Brit though. She is so horny for boys. She's so horny for boys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, so Brent and Corby head into the mountains and after looking through the things she stole from Calvin it is revealed that she has accidentally taken a very detailed map of the area that Calvin has been working on for years this is Chekhov's helpful map <laughs> like there's a lot I, like I get that this is a thriller but there's just like so much foreshadow like heavy handed foreshadowing in this book and again like I literally at 45% it was one of those books where I was like Oh, I know it's going to happen. And then, and then because I was like, I know it's going to happen. I was like, that can't possibly be what's going to happen. So I thought it was like, I was like second guessing myself, but it was just what happened was the thing. (laughs) Yep. Yep. (laughs) Um, 
A blizzard pops up out of nowhere, leaving them stranded on the mountain in Britt's shitty car, uh, which Corby, like, drags Britt for incessantly. She's just like, your car sucks. You suck for having a sucky car. You should have more money like me. I don't have a sucky car. Which is also when we get kind of all of the, like, flashbacks to Corby being terrible, I think. Like, where it's like, oh, this yes. one time I went and looked at her diary. Brit is also terrible. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> and she kept this list of, like, competing between her and Brit, where she assigned point values to their various characteristics to see who was better. But it's like you're not sharing that with anyone and you're the one judging it. So like, obviously you're going to win like as a self-esteem thing, I guess, but that seems like a really weird thing. Yeah. That this is part of the setup of this book, right? As we go on is that Calvin and Corby, who are brother and sister, Calvin feels that Corby gets everything easy and everyone is like, kowtows to her and that she's the kind of spoiled little princess and he's the one who all the expectations are placed on Uh which that characterization is completely at odds with corby having such low self-esteem that she needs to constantly drag brit like it doesn't make sense yes and i don't know we never got her tragic backstory to show that why she's so mean and nasty all the time too other than that right everyone enables it i guess i don't know then the other thing about the diary reading thing that made me mad, though, was, like, Britt said, like, I thought about asking her about that list, but I didn't mention it in case I needed to read from her diary again, and I didn't yeah. want her to hide it better. Like, Just what? trash. You're both just trash. <laughs> You're a bullshit person, Britt. Um, <laughs> so they have to leave the car and all of their gear that's in the car and look for some nearby shelter. And they find a cabin that is occupied by two men, Sean and... Mason? What? (laughs) Sean invites them into the cabin, but Mason is very adamant that they leave immediately and is kind of an asshole about it and makes it very clear he's uncomfortable that they're there and thinks that they're intruding upon whatever it is that they're doing here. There's also like some gross flirting. He also acts in a way that is like really obvious that something is wrong it's not like it's Britt keeps being like he's just so standoffish I don't understand what happened to the nice guy who flirted with me earlier and it's like okay Britt yeah if if he was really nice earlier and now he's suddenly like mean and wants you to leave and wants you to not be there and the thing that has changed is like there's this other guy there that you haven't met before it's like I don't know maybe connect the dots a little bit yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, but no, they are they are very trusting girls, and they have like this whole awkward scene and horny, yeah, where they are horny for these men. And even though Corby is dating Bear, she calls dibs on Sean, and gets really mad when Britt seems to be having an in, like a not intimate because they don't really do anything except cook and flirt. But they have like a moment, and Corby gets super jealous and pissed off about it. And Mason is rude to everyone, and Corby is rude back. It's just a whole awkward scene. That went on for way too long. Just four people being rude to each other. Just what I want to read. Yep, yep. For like three whole chapters. Um, (laughs) Anyway, long story short, um, Sean and Mason hear that Britt and Corby have a car full of backpacking gear that they've abandoned on the road. And it's revealed that these two guys are not very nice guys. Um, They decide to hold the girls hostage. 
saying that they are going to be responsible for leading Sean and Mason off the mountain undetected. And part of this is because in Brit's in Brit's flirtations with Sean, she's like, I'm a great backpacker. I'm so familiar with the area. So, so good. So Sean good. is like, great. I will kidnap you and make you lead me off this mountain. Uh, I'm... So they separate the two girls and... Sean conducts these interviews for some reason, even though he can probably already tell who's going to be helpful and who's not. But he interviews the two girls one-on-one to see who will be the most useful. Britt makes up this weird lie about Corby having diabetes and she has insulin in the car, but it's frozen now and it's useless. So unless she is like able to get to civilization immediately, she's going to die. And she hopes that by saying this lie... They'll leave Corby behind in this cabin so that Corby can then escape and run to help. And but- this is the one of one of the moments that if anything should have been Chekhov gunned, it should have been this, mm-hmm. right? Because it should have been in one of the flashbacks before we hear the story about them pretending that Corby has diabetes in order to get mm-hmm. out of something. Because that's what Britt says in this moment. She's like, oh, we had done this before. Like, we had used this lie to get out of something, and so I assumed Mm -hmm. that Corby would catch on that that was what I was doing. Um, But it's like, why are you wasting our time with these dumb flashbacks about, like, Ouija boards and sleepovers when that should have been the the story that has relevance to the thing that is happening should have been the thing that you told us? Yes, because there's like literally no evidence at all in the rest of the text that any of these people were or should have been friends. (laughs) Right. They had to make it all up in flashbacks. So this trick works somehow. And they leave Corby behind in this cabin with a few supplies. Um, And also Britt just like casually finds a dead body in a toolbox and doesn't say anything to anyone. (laughs) She's like, cool, dead girl. I'm not going to look at that anymore. Well, I mean, I could I could get her not saying anything to anyone because her options at this point would be Corby, but she can't because they won't let her talk to Corby or mm. the two people that she thinks probably killed the dead girl. So, yeah, like I do get maybe not <laughs> bringing that up uh, right now. She's very chill about it, though. She's just like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like she has this initial moment of like, oh, God, dead body. But then after that is like back to regular old horny Brit. It's also like the way it was described was weird to me because it was like bones. It seemed like, cause I think they, she describes yeah. the, the head as like a skull. Right. But it's like, I don't yes. know. And I don't know. I'm not a bodyologist. Would it decompose that fast if it was in a, like closed I don't think it would be skeletal. Right. Like, and it, it's in a like secure, yeah. like it's not, gonna be eaten by stuff because it's in a metal tool yeah like nothing big anyway right like i don't know just seemed weird yeah like well and then i was thinking like (laughs) i guess when she said toolbox i was expecting like yeah you know like those little red things that plumbers carry around or something (laughs) i was like there's a whole body in that yeah i had to reread the scene because i was like did i miss something is it is it just her head? No, it says the dress is on the body, so the whole body is in there. But I think it was like, cause I think it was like one of those big, like um, yeah. My dad has one. It's like a big old, like a tool like, chest, about, maybe. Yeah, it's like about waist and high. And it like wheels sort of. around, kind of. Right. Yes. 
So I think that's what yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that also has like a lot of stuff in it already, I feel like, like shelves. Like shelves so and things. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how this this doesn't whatever. I mean, she did also say it was it an was antique. Weird. So like Oh. I don't know. So it could have been anything. Who knows? It could have been anything. <laughs> could have just been a dresser drawer. Right. Old timey people just called things whatever. <laughs> they were all the same item. They They're, just called them by what exactly. they put in it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that that's my toolbox. I took the hammer out and I put the uh, bees in and now it's my bee box. <laughs> now it's my bee box. Where I keep my bees. <laughs> oh, yes. Don't mind the buzzing. They're quite happy I'm in there. I'm old and we need honey. It's all we have for dessert here. Sugar hasn't been invented yet. <laughs> they could just make maple candy with Laura and her family. In the summertime, we eat berries and cream. Berries and it's cream. a delicious berries candy. We don't know what candy is. <laughs> oh, what a terrible life. Oh, old-timey people. You're so stupid. <laughs> um, so, Britt... You, she uses Calvin's map that she has kept secret this whole time in her boobs. She pulls it out. And well, mm. first of all, like, if you're worried about a piece of paper not getting wet, Agreed. maybe, like, in your bra is not a great place <laughs> to put it. <laughs> right. I don't know right. about other ladies out there, but I sweat underneath my boobs. I mean, okay, perhaps as someone who was, okay, this might be a little TMI, as someone who is fairly, like, small-chested through high school, mm-hmm. There is less sweating associated when you have smaller mm. boobies. So, like, perhaps that was just a signal that Brit doesn't have I a see. lot going on in the chesticle department, which is fine. Mm-hmm. And But then I feel like it would slip out. I feel like once... I feel like it wasn't a great hiding spot. Yeah. Once they get to a point that is a good holding mm-hmm. mechanism, they're yes. also going to sweat. Yeah, yeah. So, know? like... Sure, pocket knife. Okay, I could imagine you putting that there. Like other little supplies, but like a map. Yeah. I think that's gonna get. Icky. I would have maybe put it if I had to hide it on my body, and I didn't want to just put it in a pocket. Maybe I would have put it in like the back of my bra band, like on my back. But I, I don't know. That gets sweaty too. Mm. Where do I you think not I sweat? would, I would go with the braid it into your hair. Ah, folded up real tiny. That would be, yeah, yeah, like do a, or like do like a messy bun and then like just hide it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Britt, get at us. There was a lot of better ways to do this. Um, Mm. I think I might've stolen that from a book. So like I didn't come up mm, with that. Nah, nah. Just, just uh, own it. That's yours now. (laughs) Be confident. I came up with it. (laughs) So using the boob map, Britt uh, leads Mason and Sean to a park rangers outpost without telling them that's what she's doing. Um, in the hopes that someone will be there to rescue her. But spoiler alert, there's not anyone there to rescue her. So they stay the night there because there are supplies and running water and heat and things. And Britt becomes very weirded out because Mason seems to be very concerned about her well-being, offering to like give her clean new socks or letting her sleep on the couch instead of on the chair or whatever. And she's like, fuck off, you're a bad guy. Not that good guy that kissed me at the 7-Eleven when I was barefoot that's a detail i left out she went to a 7-eleven completely barefoot what yeah brit's a monster (laughs) that's so gross just like walking around barefoot in a place where so many other people have walked and there's food there and drinks sticky beverages i think this might be a discourse currently on like twitter because i've seen this hashtag a lot 
of barefoot is legal and I'm not sure I feel like it's associated with terrible people but I don't know for sure I don't really know what's going on with it but Mm. like people being like it's fine to go barefoot in movie theaters ew no it's okay is it is it like in general a thing you can do yes is it a thing that you should do no because it's dirty your feet get so dirty and then what are you gonna do go home climb in your bed with your dirty popcorn coke feet here's an even worse thought you go to the movie theaters in your shoes because you have to drive there probably Mm. Mm -hmm. you take the shoes off while you're in the theater you get your dirty popcorn coke foot going and then you put that back in your shoe oh no now your foot is forever you can't wash the inside of your shoe your shoe is ruined your shoe is ruined forever uh also, again, I don't super know what this discourse is about. I could be completely misreading this. I've just seen a lot of people complaining about going barefoot in movie theaters and whether or not that is okay. There might be a bigger issue at, large, be okay. at this. I don't like, know. Oh, gosh. Just from a, like, a completely hygienic, not at all, like, I don't know. I don't want to police people's feet, but also I want everyone to stay healthy and safe. I mean, if you are okay with the level of gross that I, – I guess it is – okay. I'm trying to – I'm. I'm trying to make this okay. Okay. I don't want to offend any barefoots out there. Right. You go to the theater in your shoes because you have to drive there. Well, I guess you could, you know, get there by some other mode. But anyway, you're wearing shoes to get there. You get there. You put your feet up. Then you take your shoes off. You put the shoes back on like it's one of those reclining Mm -hmm. chairs. So your feet never actually touch the ground while in their barefootedness. Is that okay. okay? Maybe if if your if your feet okay. don't stink, then yes. Mm-hmm. Which is a big, a yeah. big if. If you I have think. clean feet and you put your very clean feet on a thing, other people are going to have to put parts of their body on. Like if you've got warty, mm-hmm. dirty ass, smelly feet with fungus on your toenails and stuff, like never take your shoes off in public because you're gonna pass those warts and things on to other people. Hmm. Anyway, just wear well, shoes, guys. Like now you know. Also, I think we can all agree that you need to keep your feet your feet enclosed while you're on a plane. Yes, 100%. End of discussion. That air just gets recycled forever. There's just there's no way you got to the 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 plane in an enclosed foot mm-hmm. and that it did not accumulate some amount of stank. Oh gosh, while, no. In the process of getting to the plane. So once you get to the plane and take your stank shoe off, there will be some amount of stank. And because you are in such an enclosed space, even if it is a low amount of stank, you It'll cannot release that into the stank. world. Be polite. Keep your fucking shoes yes. on. Unless you have some sort of like disability. I don't know. But aside from that, yeah. keep your shoes on. I mean, I even wear socks. Like I make sure even if I'm wearing like sandals, I will bring a pair of socks to wear through security because I'm not going barefoot through a place where so many other people have gone barefoot, dude. I don't think I've ever worn sandals through security. I think that I always just default to like gym shoes or yeah. boots, which I know that in itself is kind of insane <laughs> that I wear boots through airport security, but I like wearing boots and I don't want to pack them in my suitcase because that takes up a lot yeah, of space. Say, you take the heaviest thing out of your suitcase. So you have room for other shoes. Right. I think that's smart. You've been <laughs> listening to Foot Talk with Anna and M. <laughs> this is how we we bust Keep into the feet industry. Away from us. We get a big entry on Wiki Feet going. And oh no, no! <laughs> I'm not showing my feet for any amount of money. <laughs> my feet are gross. I did ballet. They're a mess. <laughs> I was gonna say after our weekend in DC, I do not want to show my feet to anybody right now. We oh, walked a lot. My feet are still balloons. <laughs> 
<laughs> we didn't have very appropriate footwear when we did this. <laughs> no, no. Anyway, back to, back this, to book. this book. So they all have a nap, um, but then they are awoken by a park ranger that has come to check in at the outpost. So that was convenient. Um, he reveals that Sean and Mason are uh, were actually involved in a robbery that went very wrong, and they shot a cop and ran over a girl in their getaway car. And Britt's <laughs> like, what? But then Sean shoots this fucking park ranger dead. <laughs> He's like, cut out your bullshit. Bam, you're dead. Which we should note, the other cop they shot and the girl are both still alive. So this yes. is like turning point for Sean. Like, where it's like, oh, yes. he is willing to kill. At which point... It's like, oh, maybe he's the killer Ooh, mm-hmm. of that yes. dead body, who's probably the girl from the first chapter of the book, we assume, at this mm. point. We assume, yes. Later that night, they fall back asleep because they're just like, cool, dead guy, let's just go back to bed in the scene of the crime. Yeah, um, a lot of their problem solving seems to be, let's take a nap, which, yeah. I mean, like, I respect that, but I, I don't know if down it's really going to work. They're like, eh, it's snowing, I guess we should just take a nap. It's like, okay. okay There's nothing I else guess. to do to pass time. They didn't have phones. They didn't have books. They didn't have TV. Like, what else are you going to do? Just go sleep. Someone should have thought ahead and packed a mini Sudoku puzzle book so that they were prepared <laughs> in case of the eventuality of getting kidnapped and left on the side of a mountain. Very true. Very true. At, while everyone else is sleeping, Britt sneaks out of the cabin to go find help. But she doesn't make it very far before Mason tracks her down and very nicely talks her into going back to the cabin with him. He's basically like, girl, you're going to die out here. And she's like, you know, you right. And she just goes back with him. And he promises her that she will make it off the mountain alive. He will not let Sean kill her at the end of the day. And Britt again wonders, are you a good guy? And I'm we also all wonder, what the fuck are you going to do to prevent Sean from killing her? Because, like, he definitely killed that other guy, and you didn't yeah, want him to do that, and it nothing. seemed like he did anyway. So it kind of seems like you don't have control over the situation. But luckily, mm-hmm. all of that gets resolved, and we never really get an answer to what Mason was planning to do to keep Sean from killing her. Yes, it's so very convenient, because as they go back to this outpost... They spot Calvin, who is holding Sean at gunpoint, questioning him about Britt and Corby's whereabouts. Uh, Mason restrains Britt so she can't call out or run to him. Sean basically tells Calvin that they left they left Corby behind at that other cabin, and Britt and Mason have appeared to run off together. So Calvin just, like, fucking shoots Sean and then lights the outpost on fire because he's obviously a very stable individual. <laughs> right, and this is the thing with this whole moment, like, Calvin does this in a way where it's like, oh, he's psychotic, like, clearly. And Britt mm-hmm. is just like, I don't know why Calvin did that. Calvin is such a nice guy. It's like, <laughs> he must okay. have been very angry okay. about us being kidnapped. He must have been very upset about my kidnapping. It's like, Britt, sweetheart, <laughs> I get that you wanted, you are horny for this boy. So but, horny. Like... You need to stop (laughs) and consider the fact that he just murdered someone in cold blood and it wasn't in any way helpful to resolving you being kidnapped. And in fact, if he really cared about you being kidnapped, like probably wouldn't have killed that guy and would have been like, okay, we're going to backtrack to wherever you left Brit. Like it it doesn't, it doesn't add up. And it's very dumb that Brit is like, oh, she really wants to believe the best of him. Calvin's such an such a good guy i can't believe that he would 
kill someone with you know like no reason or intention even though that's obviously yeah. what he just did right in front of me and he's such a good guy and he would never shoot someone in cold blood even though that's what he absolutely 100% did right in front of me <laughs> and like he cares about me so much even though he's done absolutely nothing to make that clear in any way shape or form and in fact dumped me several months ago without telling me for no reason and I just love him and he's so such, a, such so a good much. guy I love him so much I'm I'm 18 <laughs> we also have like this really weird flashback at this point where it's like around somewhere around this part where yeah they all ran together Britt recollects this the night that calvin's childhood dog died and yes. in her memory she talks about how the dad got really pissed off because the dog kept barking and told calvin to bring the dog into the garage and instead of doing that calvin just like goes to sleep and so in the, in Brit's, or I guess in Calvin, because Calvin is relating this story to Brit, in Calvin's um, summary of the events, there's my dog, speaking of dogs being very loud, Calvin said his dad took the dog out to the backyard and just shot it dead. And I thought at this point it was actually going to be like Brit was going to reflect on this and be like, maybe it wasn't the dad that shot the dog. Maybe Calvin shot the dog because right. that's kind of, isn't that the stereotypical behavior of sociopaths? They just, or I thought that Calvin, it was going to eventually be revealed that the dad was the one who killed everybody. Yeah. It was like, Oh, we're seeing this like abusive man who's like, and then somehow it was going to tie into like Cal cause they're always up there and like, maybe Calvin like was the guy in the first scene and he like assaulted this girl and then the dad killed the girl because mm, like to, to protect Calvin's reputation or whatever. Yes. Like I thought it was going to be something like that. Spoiler. It's not, it's not that. Yeah. That would have been, that would have been more interesting. <laughs> this scene has nothing to do with anything unless you read it in a very terrible way, which I will talk about at the end, but I don't want to get too far ahead. Of. yeah it's like the author well I, I will talk about it a little bit the author went like way too far to try and make us feel sympathetic for calvin but it's just like we're not buying that shit mm. he just fucking shot a dude in cold blood right and then lit well, his dead body on fire i actually i don't read it as trying to create sympathy for calvin i read it as something else and i will like i said i'll talk about okay. that when we get to the end <laughs> of this book because it has to do at the end of the book Yes. Um, so once Calvin is gone, he, he runs off to go get his sister. Mason rushes into the outpost to gather up what supplies he can, and then they're off to find better shelter because it's snowing or some shit. Like, it's always snowing in this book. Um, they wander around, they find a fallen log, and they decide to cuddle up in it. And then there follows, like, a series of scenes that basically serve the purpose to show the reader why Britt and Mason should be in love. Um, mm-hmm. So like we get, there are a couple incidences, incidences with wild animals where Brit has to rely on Mason and Mason has to rely on her in turn. She shows him Calvin's map and notices. Um, well, this was like, a, I guess another, well, well, she shows him the map, which is like a big sign of her trusting him. And then Mason reveals that his name is not actually Mason. It's Jude. And he went to some wilderness camp and that's how he knows how to do all this outside stuff. And he's like a rich boy who really loves his sister. Looking at the map, they notice that there are like three locations that are marked with green dots on Calvin's map. One of them is the cabin that they originally stumbled on where Britt found the dead body. 
The second is another location that's nearby where Britt ran into a wolverine. And it was like this rundown shelter that was covered in police tape. And also there was a dead body there. And then the third location they haven't gotten to yet. But what a weird coincidence that there were dead bodies at two of those locations, huh? Was there actually a dead body there at the time? Or was it? Oh, it was the She bone, found a bone. The de- yeah. Right. She found a bone and she remembered on the news seeing that there was a dead body found there. Yeah. Of this yeah, girl so- who was supposedly murdered by her boyfriend. Yes, yes. So either it was like just a random bone or a bone that the uh, CSI that they like left there. They're like, can't know. find her tibia. Oh, well, it's fine. <laughs> she didn't need that anyway. She's dead. That won't give us any clues about the murder that was done. <laughs> uh so they have some moonshine and they end up making out nice cool. brit's very horny for these boys she's horny for uh, this one but the next morning brit is feeling regretful of her decision and she and jude mason get in a little tiff about it and he storms off to hunt for food and she decides to inventory their supplies while he's gone and while doing this, she finds a locket, diary, and a picture of a girl who died under mysterious circumstances a year ago, the girl from the uh, prologue. Um, it was a locket that her parents went on an interview saying that she was definitely wearing it when she died. And then, like, her diary. And then the picture the picture of her was, like, a surveillance photo, like someone was stalking her or something. Also, so, you know, um, she one of those interviews that parents give where they're, like, my daughter is missing, and she was definitely wearing a locket. Yeah. <laughs> what was that interview? Uh, yeah. <laughs> also, there were handcuffs, and that was never explained what the plan was with those. I don't know if he was just, like, keeping – like, if he was going to torment – well, I guess I don't want to skip too far. Yeah. But maybe he was going to, like, torment the killer with them, being like, look, what, look at these things. Or maybe he just loved them. I don't know. Just in case he wanted to have some kinky sex. Yeah, you never know. You never know what um, where your tastes might lie. Um, she immediately believes Jude, Jude Mason to be the murderer and so steals these items and just, like, books it to the family cabin where she believes Calvin and Corby will be. And, you know, after some, like, light hypothermia, she makes it there. And Corby is fine but super sedated. And Calvin is, like, there and kind of really aggressive and weird. Um, but she tells Calvin that Jude Mason murdered some chick and she gives him this evidence and Calvin says he's going to make a citizen's arrest. (laughs) Sure, Calvin. (laughs) Well, I mean, Calvin's obviously lying because he's not going to do that. He's just going to kill him. Oh, yeah. He's just going to like kill the dude. But Brit's an idiot for being like, oh, okay, that's real. That's a real thing you're going to do. As one does. Yeah, as one does. (laughs) Uh, that night Jude Mason sneaks into the family cabin and he demands Britt give him back the things that she stole and because it turns out this guy is actually the murdered chick's brother and he was setting out to avenge his sister's death what and also probably Calvin is the murderer guys yep that's Britt's like nah no way but then she like finds evidence of that and she's like oh fuck me dude which also like okay I it was so fucking obvious that Calvin was the murderer from like halfway through the book that I was like surely Calvin's not the murderer yes and I really thought that what was good at this point what I thought was gonna happen because this is what was set up in this book Calvin is like my sister gets away with everything 
It was going to be Corby, yes. Yeah, like, he literally says at one point, she's already gotten away with murder. Yeah, like, I thought so, too. And I'm like, oh, he's, like, glibly saying that she's the murderer, and that's going to be the third act twist. So many and, red herrings. Like, no, I guess he was just, like, metaphor, like metaphorical murder is what he's saying. Yes. He's like, she's already gotten away with murder. You know, in the sense that she's spoiled and gets a lot of things, not in the sense not that in the she sense that I've gotten away person, with it, which is the thing that we're dealing with right now. And so maybe I shouldn't have said that in a very confusing manner. And it's not like it's not like it's set up to be like a red herring, like because it's not like at any point Brit comes to this conclusion. It's not like Brit is like Corby's the killer, and then it's like, oh no, just kill it. Kidding, it's Calvin. Mm-hmm. It's just like this weird throwaway thing that's kind of in the background, <laughs> and would have been a better ending. I yeah, I agree. I think this was a missed opportunity. Like she did set up so many red herrings and so many people that you were like, wow, there are so many like hints and and so much violence in this story from different random people. Like just just make it make it one of the others. That would have that have been much more satisfying. Yes. But uh, Calvin busts into this room where Jude Mason and Britt are, and he shoots Jude Mason in the shoulder. And then Jude Mason's like, wait, 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 wait. You can't do that. I'm baby. Um, also, actually, I hid the map. <laughs> I'm just like watching way too many TikToks lately. <laughs> you can't do that. I'm baby. This may be our most referential episode. <laughs> Uh, he he's like, ah, oh, man, I have your map, and I hid it somewhere where the authorities are going to find it, and they're going to see those three green dots and somehow connect that to the fact that you're the man who killed some women that all were believed to have died in separate circumstances. But Calvin, Calvin's like, oh, shit, man, you're right. I better not kill you. I'll just torture you instead until you tell me where the map is. But Jude Mason is so good, he does not crack under pressure. Um, and then Although, to some... be fair, to be fair, mm-hmm. Calvin's form of torturing, and perhaps I read the scene wrong, perhaps there was more going on than what I got from it, but uh-huh. his form of torturing seems to be dripping candle wax on him, Yeah, which, okay, again, <laughs> this is appropriate for some kinky sex, this is not torture, <laughs> what are you guys doing like it would be like a minor ouchie it's like, like, i just i want your whole body smooth before i before i torture you for real though um so here like here's some like i'm gonna just do your eyebrows then your belly hair and then here's some paraffin wax i was like am i am i missing it is he dripping like maybe because he did get shot maybe he's dripping the candle wax like on his open wound which would be like no it's like on of, his belly and chest it's just, like, on his chest. Like, okay. I mean, again, everybody's horny, I guess. But, like, I don't know. Save it for later. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Um, it was an interesting choice. Like, you've already killed three people, and that's the best yeah. you can come up with for torturing? Like, Yeah. And also, like, from an authority <laughs> standpoint, it's like, I would get it if I would get if you were like I don't want it to be too graphic against this love interest like I don't want him to be too beat up but like also this up. guy yeah. killed three women in this book already like you the ship has sailed on the like violence yes. thing like yes he's like already lit an entire outpost on fire to hide a dead body right he like shot a dude in the face like what are you talking yes why are, why is he now 
like, oh, Jude, if you don't tell me where the boob map is, I'm <laughs> going to get some some uh, Yankee candles out. I got that salted caramel one. Like Graham's jams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and next, I'm going to tickle your feet. <laughs> Should be like breaking his fingers. What are you doing? I don't know. Calvin didn't go hard enough when he needed to. And way too hard when he didn't need to. Exactly. That's the problem with Calvin, man. He's just not the right amount of hard. Mm. Well, and this gets mm. into, so, like, we get the explanation. We get the, the like, conversation between Jude and Britt. I think it's a little bit after this where they're, like, mm-hmm. talking about. It's still while they're, like, trying to escape Calvin. But. They're like, oh, Calvin's the murderer. Oh, he killed these other women. Oh, whatever. Jude is like, he's like, I wanted an explanation. But in reality, there's nothing logical about the mind of a cold-blooded killer. And then Britt is like, oh, well, here's the explanation. And it's it's this. It's that Calvin resented um, people who got into better colleges. that Because we find out Calvin didn't actually get into a college. And so yeah. he's been hiding in the woods. So he's been killing these women who got into college because he hates that they took his spot. And it's like a whole a, a whole commentary. Yeah, but, like he was raised to believe that women, women are inferior. So when a woman does better than him, he has to kill them. I don't think it was what? even that he was raised because his sister's treated better than him. So I think it's more like he just really hates women um, because of his sister. Mm. Which, like, that's a mess. It, it was like, it was a weird thing. My point being that the author did this really great thing of being like, there's no explanation for what's going on in the mind of a killer. Here is the explanation. Cool, good line. But Leave it there. It's like, but if you, if you don't accept that that's a good explanation, well, I already said there is no explanation. So it's fine either way. And I'm like, no, it was just, it was just that you came up with a bad explanation. You can't then be like, there's no explanation. (laughs) You can't have it both ways. And I get that that's what you're trying to do by being like, there's no explanation. Here is the explanation. But if you don't like it, We'll just go with there is none. And it's like, okay, <laughs> cool. But also, I did, this is what I want to talk about that with this explanation um, mm-hmm. on the dog killing scene and the fact that we find out that Calvin is physically abused by his father. It's very heavily implied that Britt and Corby may have at times, if not yes. seen the physical abuse, possibly been physically abused themselves because they're like, we had to go hide in the closet. We knew and whatever. Um So what this story is, is yet again, and we've seen this before, and I think I've talked about how fucking terrible it is before, too. This story is this kid was abused, and so he cracked, and he abused other people. And that's bullshit, Mm -hmm. and we need to stop perpetuating this idea that victims of abuse become abusers, because that's generally not true. It can be true, but putting that out as, like, this is what happens when you abuse a child, it's like... You're making the abuse victim the villain, and that's really shitty, and we need to stop doing that. And they, she keeps yes. doing this, too. Like, she, the, the way the victims in this are handled, two of them are, like, barely even on the page, but Lauren is such a terrible person, and then they even, who's the only one we get any interiority of, and then they have the whole thing where um, Jude Mason is like, I felt like I should have saved her because she texted me, and Britt is like, 
it's her fault that she died. I'm not saying it's her fault, but it's kind of her fault because she got drunk and went <laughs> off with She's the guy. She's kind of divine. And she didn't deserve it, but it is kind of her fault. And it's like, mm, Brit, <laughs> no, again, you should have stopped with one of those sentences, which was, it's not her fault that she got murdered. And that's the end of the sentence. Yep. Like, we don't, yep. so like this whole thing with Calvin, it's just like so, it's so gross to me having this be the story of like, this kid went through horrible psychological, emotional, and physical abuse as a child, and as a result, he became a murderer. Like, I don't like that being, we have enough of that. We have that story enough. We don't need yeah. to do that anymore. We can be done with that. Like, for a good while. Like, let's let's give that backstory, like, a 10-year break. Like, let's not do that one for 10 years, okay? Like, yes, as a society. Yes. Cool? Cool. <laughs> cool, great. <laughs> I think we are, yeah, we are, we've reached capacity for that storyline. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Jeez. Come up with something new. Not even new. Just just not that. You can be unoriginal in another way. It's fine. Yeah. Go abuse another trope for a while. Whatever. Right. Anyway. Um blah 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 blah. Rising action, climax. But basically Brit helps Jude Mason escape and the search and rescue team shows up. And um Calvin knows he's been bested and so he's like well, guess it's time to face consequences like a man. I left some evidence in this hole outside, so you better go open that hole and get it all out. And so they do, and there's like, ah, oh, there's nothing here. <gasps> Calvin! And they run back, and he's attempted to hang himself before the authorities can take him in. But um, Britt and Jude Mason get to him before he is able to um, die. Fully and But himself, he still suffers yeah. some terrible brain damage. So... So cool and great. Cool for him. What a good story. Um, and then for us Ju- to read. <laughs> Jude Mason takes Britt as a hostage again, but this is like a consensual hostage taking. Um, it's so that he can get away. They run into the woods, and she's like, "Fly, you fool!" And so he does, and <laughs> Britt and Corby are rescued by the helicopter. <laughs> uh, some time passes. There's a trial for the murders. Calvin has suffered brain damage. He won't go to prison because of that, but he'll probably be institutionalized. Corby and her family have cut Brit out for telling the public about what Calvin did. And then Jude Mason just like randomly appears to Brit um, when she's out for a run. And he's like, here's my number. So call me maybe. And then disappears. (laughs) (laughs) And some more time passes. So then we get an epilogue. Uh, Britt's on a road trip with her college friends. They go to this beach that Jude Mason has mentioned in the past about, oh, I used to go here all the time with my sister, and I loved it. Um, And Britt's like, "Mm, maybe I'll go there because maybe he'll still love that beach and then we'll be reunited there. Um, And it turns out she was right because Jude Mason's been going there every weekend since he last saw Britt, and they're reunited and in love. And also she calls him, but then, like, chickens out and hangs – or, like, he doesn't answer – and then yes. the other, her friend who's in the car with her, who's like her new best friend. Um, he seems like call, a much healthier like he option. He calls back. Yeah, well, he calls back and she's like, oh, what's up? This is, if you want to find out whose phone this is, be at this beach. And he's like, I'm already at that beach. And it's like, okay, cool. Which brings me to the point of, um, also, I do want to point out, Jude Mason also, like, he gets a lot of passes in this book, but there is fully a scene where he tells Calvin that if he had um, known that Corby was Calvin's sister, he would have killed and tortured her. 
Like there is fully that yes, scene that, that was very, and yikes. that's never addressed in any way. Like I assumed that he was trying to goad Calvin into doing something, but that didn't seem to be the case because he didn't go like Calvin didn't get goaded into something. Yeah, and no. it's not addressed by Brit or anyone else. But I just want to point out that the start of this book is Brit, a girl who had a relationship with a guy that then left her to go to California. Mm-hmm. Trying to plan a vacation in order with her friend in order to get back together with that guy, a friend who yeah. she lied about the relationship to. And the end of this book is Brit with her friend who she lied about a relationship to going to California <laughs> to find a guy who she had a relationship with who left her for California and trying to rekindle their. I'm like, yes. you're doing the same thing. You're a doing lot the of same character thing. Growth. You did this already. What are you doing? It's nice bookends. This book is just, it's a, it's a, Brit's boyfriend sandwich. It like you assume from the opening of the story that the thing Brit is going to learn is that you shouldn't like have your life revolve around a man and make plans and try mm-hmm. to trick a man into doing things. Like that would be a, a lesson you would think that she should learn. But she doesn't. What she right. learns is like, well, do that, but only if the guy's not a murderer. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Make sure he's a good guy first. <laughs> Um, How are you supposed to figure that out? Don't know. <laughs> just like hang out with the woods with him for four days and almost die about a hundred times with him. And then you'll know that he's the one. Give him several opportunities to kill. And if he yes. doesn't, you're good. Yeah. Gucci, go to the beach with him. You can only date men who were like on the fence about killing. And you have to decide that you have to, mm-hmm. you have to watch them decide if they're going to kill or not. And if they do, uh, bad guy, he's out. <laughs> they have to be capable of, capable of killing in order to show that they have great passion but they have to be able to hold that back in order to show that their passion for you is greater than their bloodlust like yes you know what's very sexy violence Mm -hmm. simmering just under the skin like he could pop off at any time yes he might hit you but he won't because he loves you (laughs) and even if he does it's because he loves you he didn't kill you so you know he didn't kill you. It's okay. Oh, Brit. Brit, honey. Brit, <laughs> so many you. things to learn. And for, to some extent, I was like, she's 18. But to some extent, I'm like, no. You need to stop yeah. this behavior. You should know better. Well, and her whole empowerment thing is like, she spent her whole life relying on men to do things for her, which is like a wild characterization. Um, where she's just like, yeah, I uh, rely on men to do everything for me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she says me. it like, cause this is, she says it multiple into, times like, addressing what our listener had said about the book. Um, she, mm-hmm. I assumed when we read, uh, I keep wanting to say Becca, but that's the author of this book. When I read Brooke's email where she was like, Oh, the girl in this book relies on men to do things for her. I was like, Oh, okay. So that's Brooke's reading of this. It's like, no, that's no, stated that's on the, the author's page. Yes. Yes. What? Multiple times. Not just a one-off thing. Not like in the very beginning of the book where she's still like, oh, I haven't grown up yet. But no, this is like towards the end of the book still. Relying on men to do everything for her. And then and then the thing she likes about Mason, though, Jude Mason makes her feel like maybe she can rely on herself a little bit. But it's still like 
she's learned this lesson because a man made her learn that lesson. You know, like it's like if it wasn't for this man, she would never have learned that she is capable of doing things and she can't be capable of doing things unless this man is there to tell her she can. So it's like, regardless of like, does Jude make her feel that way or whatever? Like, let's look at her actual like things she accomplished in this book. Right. Uh huh. Things that she did to help her and Jude get through their trials hid a map in her boobs that she was given to like that she got because of her relationship with a man. Okay, cool. Yes. Played dead to escape a grizzly bear. Cool. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think that even really works. I think that grizzly bear is just going to kill you at that point. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think that was it. Like pretty much everything else Jude did. <laughs> she knew that the sap from pine trees could be burned in a fire, but she only collected it once, and that was at the very end when she was by herself, so, like, whatever. Also, didn't she not do that? Didn't she... Wasn't she, like, you gotta find some sap from pine trees, but then she found some, like, cigarettes Oh, that's right. And she's like, that, like, nah, I mean, I'm just gonna burn these that cigarettes That Calvin had left there? Something. I don't know what she yeah. was <laughs> um, it was I'm trying to think. In the, in the final confrontation, she runs away a couple times. She, she runs flails away. about. She flails. Like it, she, this, this could have been some, this could have been the message, right? Regardless of like it, whether or not you want to read the Jude part, the Jude of it all as like a problem mm-hmm. or not. Mm-hmm. This could have been fixed. If a, we scrap all of the, like Calvin was abused stuff because gross. Um, yes. But then like, if there was some final confrontation between Calvin and, Brit, right? Where like mm-hmm. Brit's got him at gunpoint and Calvin's like, You're never gonna do it. You can't you're not gonna pull the trigger or whatever. And then she shoots him like in the leg and is like, mm-hmm. You're right, I'm not gonna kill you because I'm not like you, but I am gonna make sure you see justice or something. Instead, like all yeah. of that is given to Jude. Like Jude does all of that sort of stuff. <laughs> Becca just stands there and or not Becca, sorry, Brit stands there and watches everything. <laughs> right which i actually think that this book would work if you read it as like a great gatsby-esque book where like jude is the main Mm -hmm. character this is jude's story yes um and yes brit is the nick yeah she's just there to narrate but it's not because we get or even like calvin's story but it's not because they don't grow as people either of them so it's no not it's like brit is the only one who according to the book changes but like she doesn't really so it's not great <laughs> no it's all garbage i would i think is this is this a segment we do do we do we do punch up on this podcast i mean we can we're kind of in that mode if i if i were to change this book i think what i would do was i would make the bulk of it being how brit is on the run from these various individual so like she has Mm -hmm. to be more capable by outsmarting these guys and whether or not jude mason is a good guy could go either way doesn't matter to me um she definitely doesn't end up with him in the end because that's bonkers but like (laughs) if the bulk of it is her surviving on her own running from the men that she previously had been like letting control her entire life that would have been a much better story I also kind of think it's bullshit that the whole moral of this is like, you shouldn't have men do stuff for you when it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, you shouldn't rely entirely on men. But the message of like, because literally there's a scene at the end where she like 
is hanging out with her brother. She makes a peanut butter sandwich and he's like, oh my God, do you know how to do that for yourself? And it's like, okay, <laughs> this is weird. Like, this is such a weird vibe. Like, I don't, I don't know of any women who are like that level of letting men do stuff for you. Like, I'm like, yeah. I get that, like at eight, and, and I think part of it's her age because I'm like, if she was a little bit older and was in like a lot of relationships with guys who were like making life mm-hmm. decisions for her, that would kind of be one thing. But it's like she's eighteen. Of course, her father makes her life decisions she can for her up until this point. Peanut butter on bread, right? Like Just she's fine, she, <laughs> like she was legally a child until very recently. Of course, like she's yes. not making big life decisions. What is the problem? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know. Nothing about Brit was at all compelling. No, she was awful. Yes. And it it annoyed me because I did, like I said, I did find Mason and Calvin at least interesting. Like, I mm-hmm. had huge problems with the ways that both of their stories turned out. But, like, they were, like, I at least wanted to know more about them and, like, why they were the way they were. And whatever, but like Brit, I was just like, I don't want to be around you. I don't want to. No, I don't want to read you. about you. I don't care about you. I hope Corby dies, to be honest, because she's oh, bad I too. But like, was really hoping she would, and that's <laughs> awful. That's pretty bad when you're rooting for one of the two female characters to or die. Or she was the killer that would explain yeah. her awful yeah. behavior. <laughs> Ugh, man. But again, I I feel like I've, I'm really trashing yeah. this book. I did actually enjoy reading it while I was reading it. <laughs> <laughs> I was def- it was definitely one of those books that you like it's an enjoyable book mm. to hate read I know we don't call our podcast that anymore but you know like it's one of those books that's like bad but not so so bad you know yeah and I think part of it is because I, this is something that I've complained about like I feel like to you in person I think now since I've been doing this podcast for like two years now and I'm kind of in reviewer mode all the time like if you're a reviewer I think you're gonna find stuff to pick apart with this book but if you're just reading it to read it for sure I think you'll probably be okay honestly yeah if you just take it to the beach or like I think actually this was a really good time of year to read it um because it's all like cold and thrillery and stuff yeah yeah so. so like if you just if you picked it up and you're just like I'm I'm game for anything right you probably won't be annoyed. And if you're not if we if you're not looking to give like a big feminist critique of it, which I I think that like as much as I think it's important to critique things, I I do think mm-hmm. that like sometimes you can just enjoy things for what they are and this is just if you don't read it as like a big feminist critique type lens, it's a fu- it's fine. It's pretty well written. It's the plot's like I think pretty decently paced I think it's a compelling plot Mm -hmm. so I don't know that I would like I wouldn't trash this one entirely I don't think it was to my taste is really where I end up with it yes I agree um but speaking of things to our taste do you have any suggested reading this book or this book this fortnight I do um if you want to read a story about girls in the woods being Mm. friends you should read Lumberjanes, oh, the graphic yeah. novel series by Noel Stevenson and Love Grace her. Ellis and Faith Hicks and a bunch of wonderful illustrators, including Carrie Peach. Mm-hmm. It's like just enough magical fantasy elements and just like the right amount of comedic timing. I don't know. It's all just very good. 
and very cute. The art is cute. Mm. Cute art, always a plus. Mm-hmm. Mm. How about you? Um, okay, so this one's kind of a stretch, but I mentioned uh, to you when I was reading this book that I kept thinking it was going to turn paranormal, probably because I've read her paranormal stuff before. So mm-hmm. I was like really bummed out that it didn't. But it put me in mind of a book I read recently, which is The Trail of Lightning by Rebecca Roanhorse, um, which is the first in the Sixth World series. And it's not super similar to this book because it's not a thriller. It is paranormal, but it's like a post-apocalyptic world. And this woman who has like powers and like went through some traumatic stuff in her backstory and is kind of being told by certain people that because she went through this like trauma, it turned her into a monster and Mm -hmm. she is like a monstrous person now because part of her power is like, she's really good at killing. Right. Um, But anyway, she gets tangled up in this like mystery quest through kind of going through the wilderness. There's kind of that like wilderness angle to it. And I think it handles like trauma and dealing with trauma in a much better way than this book. And it also is paranormal, which <laughs> I wanted from this book. So that's, yeah, that's my yeah. pick Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're always a little bit more partial to things that have uh, fantastical elements to them. Yeah, sorry, guys. I, I think you're, when you texted me and you, and you said you wish that Jude Mason was some sort of paranormal being, I was like, you know what? That would have been pretty cool. <laughs> it would have been better, right? Because, like, there's all this stuff in the first, like, part where it's like he stared at her inhumanly he stared at her without his face moving in any way he showed no emotion I'm like oh he's a vampire yeah like- <laughs> yeah well and also like I didn't mention but he has these weird like Sherlock Holmes mm, levels yeah. of, of observation which again would make sense if he was like you know a wise all-powerful immortal being but right not just like some normal rich boy Joe Schmo right <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh that's it for this fortnight next Fortnite, we are going mm-hmm. to be starting. We're kicking off my first unit, which is uh, I'm remembering the book title, but now I can't remember the genre. Uh, fuck, cyberpunk. Cyberpunk. Um, starting with yes. Neuromancer by William Gibson. So if you want to read along with us, that's what we're reading next. Yeah, and it's a short one. It's like 200 something pages yeah. in the mass market, so it shouldn't take too long to read. I hope. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to expect. I'm not really. I've I like sci-fi, but I tend to not read a lot of it. I don't know why. Like, especially hard sci-fi, I'm like, yeah. mm. So this should be interesting for me. I'm hoping to like this because I do like genre fiction, but mm-hmm. oh, we'll see. Should we'll be see. interesting. And I have read it before. Um, mm-hmm. And you don't like it. It's not a good sign for me. Right. I don't like it, but here's here's what I will preface it this with. I read it for a class, so it might be that thing mm. that happens a lot of times where when you're reading something because you're forced to read it for school, you hate it. Yes. Um, so we'll yeah. see. In the meantime, if you know how quickly bodies would decompose when kept in an antique toolbox, yes. uh, feel free to tweet at us <laughs> at ShelfAwareCast. Or if you have mm-hmm. suggestions, your own um, submissions, then you can email those to us shelfawarecast at gmail.com yes we already have a a unit that has been suggested to us that i really like how specific it is and i am hoping (laughs) that we can get to it sooner rather than later because um it's just like i don't know i have a good i have a good feeling about that one yeah i might have to i might have to finagle with our schedule a little Mm. bit to make that happen sooner than 
Hmm. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I I feel like I need to do a lot of like research on finding books that will fit the theme exactly because it's just like that specific. So, but I'm excited. I'm excited for the challenge. (laughs) Um, As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. And we are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us yet on one of those, you definitely should. We are here every two weeks to entertain you with our thoughts on books, both bad and hopefully good nowadays. (laughs) We'll see. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd very much appreciate a five-star review Um, or like just any review on any social media platform would be awesome. Um, As you guys know, we are currently running a small campaign um, where if you do like review or give us a shout out somewhere in public or whatever, and you tell us about it, if you send us an email or if you prefer to like DM us on Twitter or whatever, um, we will go ahead and send you anywhere from one to four stickers. Um, And all of those stickers are on our Twitter account. If you want to look at them, they're very good and made them and they look excellent. Um, So definitely take part in that. And if you've already done these things for us back when we were hate read or, you know, just at any point in time, because you love us just so much, let us know and we would be happy to um, send you those belatedly for all of your hard work. (laughs) In the words of Becca Fitzpatrick, The urge to smooth her hair overcame me, but I knew Calvin would never forgive me if I woke her. Instead, I crawled into bed beside her and cried silently. Because that's less likely to wake her up, I guess. (laughs) Why couldn't you have cried silently somewhere else? (laughs) Wait, did you text me again? Yes, I did. Oh, yeah, no, you've definitely texted me a lot. Shit. Groot me is not, like, sending me notifications hates, for your texts. You I think so. I'm, I'm just going to go through and like all these texts real quick. Like, like. <laughs> like. Like. <laughs> like, I'll read these later. I'm just going to like them all right now. Okay. Thank you. <laughs>